Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Father, you said the entrance of your word brings light. It brings understanding to the simple. We thank you, Father, that you've given your word of life that we might be made whole, that we might escape the corruption of the world, you said. And so I give you praise this morning. I sincerely trust you, Holy Ghost, to help me communicate these two major things that I want to speak to. As simple as they are, I pray, I pray, I pray that we will all have ears to hear and that you, like was sung just a few moments ago, Holy Ghost, Spirit of God, will breathe on this word and breathe on the ears of the people that every single person will make the decision, I'm going to hear from heaven something for myself. I want to hear from heaven. I don't want just to sit in a chair. I want to hear something that helps me, blesses me, encourages me, corrects me, strengthens me whatsoever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Uh, and I'm going to quote though Proverbs 28:18. This comes from, I don't know, the last couple of weeks, I don't know, I found myself remembering some of the people I've counseled over the years. And uh, Proverbs 28, um, again, 18 is the one that says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, it says in the Amplified, you know, where there is no redemptive vision. And, uh, you know, I was studying that afresh, and I was uh, really interested to see that while we often use that verse in church settings to talk about a corporate vision or what have you, that it really, the depth of it speaks to the personal revelation of purpose, individual purpose. And I've known so many people who go through life existing. Do you know what I mean by that? They wake up, they don't have, they don't know why they're here. And I've always believed, I've always taught, I've always spoken to this truth that you must learn how to go to the lowest common denominator of any truth, of whatever it is. I don't care how great a mathematician may be, it starts with the revelation that one plus one is two. If the very first issue, if the very first premise isn't true, then everything else is skewed and will not be true. The lowest common denominator. So I'm asking you a question this morning, and this is what I'm going to work with for a bit here. Why are you here? Have you actually, have you actually answered that question? Do you really think the God who is so precise in all of his creation, you remember the truth that if the sun were one degree closer or, if the, or one degree less, you know, we would either freeze to death or burn to death. God made everything precise and perfect. So you must understand, you must have the humility to comprehend that you were birthed of God. You're here this morning, again, truly, not by accident. Makes no difference the trials and the tribulations you've gone through. That has nothing to do with the initial premise, the initial truth, the initial creation of you, 
why you have breath in your lungs, why you're here right there. You cannot be born, especially because, again, you are saved. You're here born from above now. You have singularity of purpose that no one else has, just like the fingerprints. No one else has the design on their spirit that is on yours. Now, see, it's easy to say that, and people will nod their head, but... See, we have to go to the depth of this. I'm actually here for a purpose. The devil tried to kill me through drugs. The devil tried to kill me in the penitentiary. The devil tried to kill me many ways. The devil's tried to kill you in many ways. That's his job, steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to just whatever, interrupt anything and everything about your life. But you have to go back to the lowest denominator. You have to, I mean, it's something you have to actually wake up with in the morning. I'm here because God chose me to be here. I have purpose. I have purpose. I actually have purpose. I'm not here just to exist. I'm not here to float through these years, die and go to the grave, and okay, yeah, hallelujah, I go to heaven. But there's more about my life than just doing this. There is a design on me. God has never not gifted any children of his, never, so there's not one person in here that does not have a gift from heaven, a purpose from heaven. And let me, like I said, when you go back to the lowest common denominator of why we're here, I want you to hear this with your spirit. You are born to glorify God. When you boil it all down, you're here today, you're breathing because there's an aspect of your life that is intended to glorify your creator that the world is supposed to see. So of course, hell does everything he can to put that, you know, that flame out. But no, we're created in the likeness and the image of God. We are, I am, as ugly as I am, I'm still created in the likeness and the image of God. But I'm telling you, we have purpose. And so I'm going to talk about that for a bit, but for whatever the reason, the Lord, I, I actually asked him why all through the week. He wants me to read this, but 2 Corinthians 4, to me, the whole chapter, I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then I'm going to go to my topic. I'm going to be like Deji, and I'm going to learn how to speak till 3.30. You didn't learn from me. No, no, no. Well, a little bit. No, but, um, you know, when I... Uh, as I read the fourth chapter, I kind of saw it was like almost a declaration of faith of all the, I don't know, there's just so much in the fourth chapter. But so I want to read the last verse of, ver of chapter three first uh, that you're familiar with. Just run, so let me, let me just start. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, well, no, let me read verse 17 because that's when what we just saying. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, emancipation from bondage and freedom. Actually, I think, you know, I've shared this before in the Greek. It actually doesn't say where the Spirit of the Lord is. It says where the Spirit is Lord. If we'll let Him be Lord, let Him direct us and guide us. And all of us, that's, I guess, you and I, we're us, all of us with unveiled face because we continued. I hope you're continuing. Because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord is in his word. Mm 
I said, the glory's in his word. The glory's in his word. Uh, because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is what he's here to do. This is what he's doing in you. This is why I love the book. This is why I'm in it every morning, every night. I love the book. It changed my life. Now, let's start. Now, actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to put you through some work. I actually want you to read the fourth chapter out loud with me. Okay, can you do that? And I may stop in a moment, but I want to go through this because of something else I want to get to. You ready? Like who is a Bill Winston says, ready? Read. <laughs> Therefore, since we do hold and engage in this ministry, what ministry? The one that just spoke of ministry of the Lord, the Spirit of God, the ministry of the Spirit. Start over. Therefore, since we do hold and engage in this ministry, by the mercy of God, granting us favor, benefits, opportunities, and especially salvation, we do not get discouraged or spiritless and despondent with fear or become faint with weariness and exhaustion. You know what else? We have renounced disgraceful ways, secret thoughts, feelings, desires and underhandedness, the methods and arts that men hide through shame. We refuse to deal craftily, to practice trickery and cunning, or to adulterate or handle dishonestly the Word of God. But we state the truth openly, clearly, and candidly, and so we commend ourselves in the sight and presence of God to every man's conscience. But even if our gospel the glad tidings also be hidden, obscured, and covered up with the veil that hinders the knowledge of God. It is hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying, veiled only to those who are lost. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ the Messiah, who is in the image and likeness of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves merely as your servants and slaves for Jesus' sake. Now these next two verses, six and seven, is where you'll see a whole lot of your purpose. At least that's what I want you to see. I want you to see the Spirit of God saying, this is why you're here. This is part of it. Okay, ready? Verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in your heart so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ the Messiah. However, we possess this precious treasure. Hey, keep reading or I'll have somebody slap you. <laughs> However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel and frail human vessels of earth. Why? That the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. Now stop. 
But do, do you believe that? Yes. Seriously, you, you need to think on it. We, we possess this incredible truth. Absolutely, it's true in frail bodies. I mean, you know, it's true. We possess this in frail bodies. But see, God wants us to know that. He said we possess the precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, and these frail human vessels of earth. But he said there's a reason. It's so that, see, people don't see you. They see God. We're here to glorify God, not with our great intellect, not with our great skill and talent, but with our simple obedience to God, which causes his glory to shine forth when they see that you aren't able to do this of your own. And when they see a love that they've never, ever experienced before, when somebody can see every stupid thing about you and still care for you and love you and be there to help you, you know, the stuff that just changes your whole life. Hallelujah. So that the grandeur and the exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God. Now let's keep reading for verse 8. We are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We do suffer embarrassments, and we are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. At times we're pursued and persecuted and hard-driven, but we're not deserted to stand alone. We're struck down to the ground, but we're never struck out and destroyed. We're always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered. Why? So that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown forth by and in our bodies to glorify God. For we who live are constantly experiencing being handed over to death for Jesus' sake that the resurrection life of Jesus also may evidence through our flesh, which is liable to death. And again, he's saying the same thing over and over again. But you've got to catch it. See, you really have to think about it. This puts all our trials in perspective for me. And that's what he's trying to say. Guys, we're going to do, go through this. You're going to go through that. You're going to go through this. But he said it's so that the life, the resurrection life of Jesus might be evidenced through our flesh. Amen. That's the only way lost people will really see him is again, as you know, through us, as we really say, okay, you know, I hate like, oh, get out what's happening with my wife. I have, you know, I walk, I've, I have the opportunity to faint every day. I know more about walking by faith and not by what I see than I ever have. But you know what? I trust God. I, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not saying any, you know, to you guys pat me on the back. I mean, because I, I love you and I know that you love me. Well, most of you love me. Some of you. Know. <laughs> but you know what? The resurrection life of Christ is being manifested in the Anderson household. Amen. It really is. Amen. It really is. Amen. You know what? The resurrection life of Christ, if you keep with him, is exhibiting itself in your house. But this, I'm, what I'm going to get to in a little bit about settings, I'm going to talk about settings, the verse about set your mind on Christ. That's what I'm really going to get to. But now let me just keep going. We'll read now. Verse 12, thus, read, thus death is actively at work in us, 
but it is in order that our life may be actively at work in you. Yet we have the same spirit of faith, the same, the same spirit of faith as he who had wrote, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. Bless God, we too believe, and therefore we speak, because assured, verse 14, say assured. Assured that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up also with Jesus and bring us along with you into his presence. 15, for all these things are taking place for your sake, so that the more grace and divine favor and spiritual blessing extends to more and more people and multiplies to the many, the more thanksgiving may increase and redound to the glory of God. Therefore, he quotes the first verse, we do not become discouraged. I said, you do not become discouraged. I don't care what hell you're going through. It's a decision. My God lives. This is not a cleverly devised story. Therefore, we do not become discouraged. Read it. Utterly spiritless or exhausted and wearied out through fear. How do you get exhausted and wearied out? Well, I just told you through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day after day. You've got to love Paul. Next one. For our light momentary affliction, this slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving something for us, an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. Why? Because you know what? We got to this place. We no longer consider and look at things that are seen. You've got to learn to look at the unseen. How do you do that? By faith. By faith. So easy to say, isn't it? Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but we do look, but we look to the things that are unseen. The things that are visible are temporal, brief and fleeting, like my Julie's condition. But the things that are invisible, they are deathless. They're deathless. They're everlasting. Amen. I've been at this for 40, some 43 years now. It's taken a long time, and I'm definitely not fully arrived, to say the least. But, you know, I started teaching on it years ago, and I, you've heard me teach this aspect when the Lord all those years ago said, if the true gift of discerning the spirits went into operation right now, and he said, I would unzip the heavens if I would just unzip this and peel this back. He said, you would see reality. He said, this is not reality. And that it impacted me so hugely. He said, you would see an atmosphere that's teeming with angelic powers, good and evil. He said, but that realm, that realm, remember, is what created this realm. This realm is the creation. That realm is of the creator. And he said, there's something, this is why I said I've made you to sit together with Jesus. You've got to begin to function from where you're seated. 
But hell's job is to keep you diminished and keep you down and keep you low and always look at things straight ahead as opposed to looking up. Hell's job is to get you to look down. Oh, woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. I'm never going to change. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to be whatever. I'm never, 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 which is an outright lie. Because God is actually for you. And you can see, we, we say we know these verses. <laughs> you don't know them until hell hits you in the face. And that's, again, like the oldest of truths. When the pressure's on, you find out what you actually believe because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will begin to speak. You'll begin to speak. You will begin to speak, trust me. You will begin to speak something. And that's where you understand death and life being in the power of the tongue. That's where you understand what he means when he says, my goodness, you know, you're going to be judged for every idle and operative word out of your mouth. I shouldn't use that verse because it refers to something else, but never that is. So anyway, I said all that to say there's something about the whole fourth chapter that, again, I probably didn't do it justice by having you all read it like this, but I wish that you would, when you go home, read it in the Amplified for yourself and just say, okay, I mean, look what he's actually saying here what we are, who we are, what we can expect to happen, but why it happens, that the resurrection life, that God might be glorified. The reason I have breath, the lowest common denominator is because I am here to glorify God. Again, and that translates into the fact that I was born with purpose. There was never anybody ever born that doesn't have a divine purpose. But again, this is why, you know, when you counsel with people, so many people, there's just like nothing. My life is nothing. My life is ruined. My life is about whatever. And I've heard it so many times. And it is incredibly difficult to try to, to build people up that go through that. It really is to try to tell them, no, 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 no. You see, you must know God loves you so deeply. He does have a plan for you. See, we've all heard those statements. But something has to happen where something that something clicks. It's not too late. That's the other biggest lie of the devil. It's too late. You know, all my dreams are gone. No, no, no. It's never too late with God. He just simply is waiting for that bullheaded decision. Where you make a decision, you say, no, that's it. No longer I say no to this. I'm saying yes to God. And that's what brings me, like I said, uh, I, 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 was, I don't know if I was watching something on TV. Well, I know I watched something on TV. And this sounds like it's out of uh, context. Well, it is out of context. You know how I showed you that DV about transhumanism and everything and artificial, all the stuff, other genetically engineering things and putting... DNA of animals and the men and stuff, trying to make super, whatever, all kind. This same, the guy, the CEO of Nokia, which is, what is Nokia, Sweden or, or Finland? He was on TV uh, just three days ago. I had a thing on this Christian channel. They showed this clip where he said, by 2030, now we're in 2023, aren't we? 2030 is seven, seven years. Everybody say seven years. He said, oh, it's, oh, we already have the prototype. He said, by 2030, he said, there'll be no natural need for a device. He said, it will be an implant. Everything your iPhone does, everything your smartphone does will be an implant inside of your brain. 
David, are you going to sign up for that? No, but think about, and I, I just throw that again because I think it's important. Again, how close are we to the end, man? Seven years, dude. You hear me? Seven years. They've already got prototypes. They've already got experimentation, they said, with people in labs, with implants. They're already picking up all the signals, doing this, that, and the other. They, they, I don't remember how they do it. He didn't go into all of that, or if they did, he didn't do it on the part of the interview I saw. How you accept the call, reject the call, whatever. I can just picture that stuff starting to read your thoughts. <laughs> the Thought Police, 1984, man, the old book. Anyhow, I was sitting there, and just all of a sudden, again, you know, um, Colossians 3.2 just jumped up. So let me read it. Or if you want to just put it up there go real quick, guys. Colossians 3.2. But again, you know what it says. And uh, I can turn my Bible quick. I still love the book. I, I know you guys love your iPads and everything, but I kind of like paper. I'm, an, I'm, I'm, old, I'm older than most of you. You probably didn't notice, did you, Dave? Did you know I was older? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Verse 1 says, If you then have been raised with Christ to new life. I have. Anyone else? Yep. You sure? If then you have been raised with Christ to new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim. Well, see, you know, you've heard me say I grew up with weapons and rifles because of my dad being a sharpshooter and all this kind of stuff and in the mountains all the time. I know how to take aim. I really do. I was, I was really good at one time. It's been so long since I've had a weapon in my hand. Now the only weapon I have is this bug assault thing where I shoot flies with salt. It's really sad, really sad, man. I was taught, you know, shooting, shot, shooting shotguns, you know, skeet shooting, if you know what I mean, clay pigeons. Uh, Kenny Barnes Jr. is the world champion in 12-gauge and 16-gauge shotgun, and he was dating my sister. And he actually taught me how to shoot, so I got really good with the shotgun, man. I got really good. But I got so mad. Years later, we went to Texas, and we were ministering someplace, and we went out with these guns. And they, they uh, No, I'm sorry, back in my hometown, and Dr. Larry Hubble, he took us out to this range called uh, uh, Three Dogs Shooting Range. And anyhow, and Julie gave her a 20-gauge shotgun, gave me the 12 Flipped these things out there, you know, and bam, bam, bam. I couldn't hit nothing. Julie's going, boom, 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 knocking them out of the air of one of them. I was so mad at her. I'm the guy that was trained, you know what I mean? I'm the guy that was good. And I looked, I didn't talk to her all the way home. That was not right to do to your husband. It was just not right. Man. So whatever. Yet then you've been raised with Christ to new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead. Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasure. Man, Father, help me to aim at and seek the rich, the eternal stuff. The stuff that carries an eternal weight of value. There are things that carry a temporary weight of value down here. Even like a new car, a house, a new car, a new whatever, I don't know. But they're just temporal. But help us to seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. But here, verse 2 is the one. And set your minds, and just, and you know, we've all read this verse a thousand times, sure. Set your mind, set it, set it, and keep them set. Keep them set on what is above the higher things, not on things that are on the earth. 
It reminded me of sighting in a, a scope on a new rifle, on a deer rifle or something like that. You know, when you have a new scope and you're, you're going to go hunting, you know, normally you're shooting a deer or something from 80 to 100 yards, so you sight it in, and, you know, you work, and, yet the, you know, the scopes have these little, anyhow, you guys, you're English, you probably haven't had this option, well, except for this dude. But anyhow, you know, you, you tune, as it were, you, you turn the settings. There are settings on the top and the side of the scope where you set the crosshairs to the length or whatever, and you sight your gun into the targets, you know. And you, you have to be very careful about the settings. Once you get it, you know, you want it to stay there. But what I've discovered in life is settings can get bumped. They just can. But God said, set your line. Now, actually, I'd never looked up the word set. It's a simple definition, but this is what it says in the Greek. Quote, it means to exercise the mind to be mentally disposed earnestly in a certain direction intensively. To be disposed earnestly in a certain direction intensively. Set your mind on this. And for whatever reason, this is very simple. Like I said, I really don't think I'm going to take as long as Digi. I just started thinking about settings. Settings determine a target. Now, this is so obvious. Um, in your house, you probably have a thermostat, right? And you may not, but you're okay. And Malachi says, no, he doesn't know. <laughs> you don't have a thermostat in your house? Well, you may not have a thermostat. But anyway, you know what I'm trying to, You know what I mean, a thermostat. You... Why do you set a thermostat at a certain temperature? Because that's your target for your personal comfort. So you have to set it. And then you have a wife that always comes and turns it down. <laughs> but you set it. You set it. You have to set it. It's important how you set it. I mean, think of the different, think of the things you set. You know, when you cook something in the oven, like I said, I'm basically the cook nowadays. I mean, I've had to learn how critically important it is to know your oven. I didn't know women had to know <laughs> Some ovens bake hot, some ovens don't bake so hot. You gotta learn what it's all about. Man, I wasn't anointed for that, you know what I mean? <laughs> but anyhow, so, but I'm saying, you know, if you want this cooked correctly, you set it, what it says it needs to be set at, what the instructions on this meal says, set it at this. So I would be dumb if it says set it at 200 degrees and I set it at 110. <laughs> it wouldn't quite work out like it needed to. You know what I mean? It was ugh. Because the setting's wrong. So simple. Microwave, the same thing. Well, uh, uh, Somebody, oh, well, Jamie, somebody. Alicia sent me, um, somehow she found over here somebody that does American-style cinnamon rolls, you know, the real things, not those little chunky <laughs> Well, it's the truth. You know, you know what I mean. You know, your mom can cook like anything, my God. Super cook. But anyhow, so she sent me like a, a dozen of these things. And I told Gosha, I said, well, you know, just nuke, you know, they're cool. They're, you kept them cool. Nuke it for 35 seconds, you know. Gosha, come, Gosha. <laughs> Gosha comes back, she said, I don't know. She said, I don't know. She said, but it all burned up. It's all black. It's all burned up. And I said, what'd you do? And she said, well, I put it on 35 minutes, like you said. <laughs> and I said, Gosha, what in God's name ever made you think? A piece of pastry type thing would be 35 minutes. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 
Hey, it'd be nice. I said, you're just one of these classic women that know how to offer burnt sacrifices. You know, we all know, we all know the story, you know. Many wives are really good at offering burnt sacrifices. Have you ever done that? Have you ever offered a burnt sacrifice? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we all have. Everybody has. But I'm just saying, you know, just, th just think about in the course of life how many things that you're around that you set that you know that you need to set them. I mean, driving all the time when I used to drive so much, you know, I was really grateful for just, you know, coast, what, you know what, what a, can't even, cruise control. You know, you set that puppy on 95. <laughs> and, and you just cook, you know what I mean? And you know, and it stops, slows down when you end up burnt. But settings, settings, settings. And it's just simply this if your setting's incorrect, you will not reach your desired target. If your setting is incorrect, you will not reach your desire. And I had no idea how many places in Scripture it said set, set, set. So this is all I wanted to share this morning, just it. I mean, just a couple. Um, set your mind on things above. Uh, have you set? Is your setting? I walk by faith. Is your setting? I believe what he wrote. Is that your setting? Or can your setting change the moment you see something that's contrary? Is your setting on, my setting is I'm going to walk in love. I will not go to strife. I've set myself to walk in love. I mean, I've set it. I've set it. Things come along to try to bump me off that setting. But I've set. I've set my mind. My mind, see, my spirit wants it. It's my mind I have to deal with. I set my mind. I set my mind. I had to make the decision. This is why I taught the love of God for so long, because like you heard me say, you know, I, the penitentiary and the violence that I was around, you know, it, it just, you know, screwed me up. And so I had to learn. I had to make a decision. I'm going to walk in love. You know, I want to get angry. I want to slap this guy, but I chose not to. I'm not going to slap him. I'm just not. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do this. not going to do that. Cindy was rehearsing something so far. I totally forgot. Mike and Cindy, they said, you remember when we did that meeting? It's Kennington St. It's Kennington St. Mark's across from the Oval Tube Station. I said, yeah. I said, do you remember what you did? I said, uh, no. And Mike said, you don't remember that guy came at Cindy with the knife and how you took him down? I said, what? <laughs> and Mike said, yeah. He said, it was really, it was quite spectacular. He said, you, he said it must have been some of your old prison moves or something. He said, <laughs> he said, you had the knife out of his hand and you had his face in the concrete. And he said, like a millisecond or something like that. And he said, you actually kind of saved my life because he was really coming to Sydney." I said, and suddenly I began to kind of remember, you know what I mean? I didn't know, I couldn't do that now, dude. I need your help, Des, you know what I mean? Anybody comes at me with a knife, I'm trusting you. I got no moves anymore. I'm telling him, but anyhow, she made me laugh. I said, I kind of remember that, anyhow. But there's settings, you set yourself. And that's all I'm trying to say today. You know, like I said, there's so many verses. Um, we're to set 
our hope, is your hope, seriously, is your hope set? Second Corinthians 1.10, is your hope set? And I've, I've got a couple of other little simple statements. I want to tell you that something, verses that really, 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 little statements in the Amplified Bible that touch me so deeply. Ephesians 1, and I, 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 know, I really want you to catch this. I pray you do anyhow. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says this. Even as in his love, he chose us, he actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, consecrated, set apart for him, blameless in his sight. And this is it, even above reproach before him in love. Now he did this that we might be above reproach. It doesn't mean that we might try to be. It means we've been made above reproach. And see, you may not catch this right now. I'm above reproach. If I'm above it, where's the reproach? It's beneath me. You know, it's the teaching of righteousness again. But do you understand how liberating that is? I'm above reproach. I don't care what you bring against me. I'm above it. You can bring no accusation against me. You can't. You can try. The devil tries all the time. I'm above it. And it's little things like this. I set my mind on, I'm above reproach. But what about when you mess up? Do you still mess up? Absolutely. But you know what? I'm above reproach because God no longer imputes his sin, my sin to me. How is that possible? Because he's bigger than I am. And because his love is phenomenal and I have no way to explain it. All I know is I'm above any reproach. I'm above it. Hallelujah. Now see, that, that may not strike you. But you, I challenge you to say it once in a while to yourself or even every day. I'm above that. I'm above it. I'm above reproach. Nobody can bring a reproach against me. I'm in Christ. My flesh is still imperfect, but my spirit is perfect before God. I am accepted in the beloved. I'm grafted into Israel through my faith in Christ Jesus. I am a member of his household. I'm a son of God. You're a son or a daughter of God. I'm above reproach. I am accepted. I've already made it. I'm going to heaven. My ticket is punched. Hallelujah. Will I still make mistakes? Yeah, I will. But, I, you know, I'm aware. And when I do, I confess. I say, Father, forgive me. And he does. He does. And that's the revelation because I've set my love, my, myself, my setting on love. I've also set my setting on his love for me. Here in his love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved me. He loved me first. He loved me first. And there again is another setting. Therefore, I choose to be like him. I'm going to love you first. I'm not going to wait for you to be kind to me. I want to be more godly. So no matter how mean Elizabeth back there might be to me at times, she's just so, sometimes I just don't, it's sad. Then I listen to this next one um, in verse 14 right here. Verse, well, verse 13, let me read Ephesians 1, 13. In him you also who have heard the word of truth, the glad tidings, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed and adhered to and relied on him. Guess what? You were stamped with the seal. 
the seal of the long-promised Holy Spirit. Now again, see that? You can quote these verses, but you understand, if you've been sealed, you've made it. He's not going to take the seal away. You've been sealed. You've been branded. You've been sealed. So when the devil says you're not saved, when the devil says, oh my God, oh my God, see, this is the thing I set myself, I set my mind on. No, no, no. I'm sealed. I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord. He is the King of Kings, the Son of God. I believe on the name of Jesus. I, yeah, I do. I just simply believe. I'm sealed. And see, those are the things you speak to yourself in Psalms and hymns and spirits. I'm sealed. I'm God's. See, you're God's. This sounds so simple that you miss it. See, I know even right now, I really, I kind of think the majority of you are just kind of, I don't mean it mainly, but I, 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 don't, I, know, I don't feel that you're hearing it yet. And that's okay because it takes a bit of time. You need to set your mind. I'm sealed. No man can unseal me. No devil can unseal me. Ever. I'm sealed. Jonathan, you're sealed. You're sealed. You're sealed. You're sealed. Nobody can take that away from you now. You will live throughout all eternity with Christ. You will walk the streets of heaven throughout your entire life. The endless life that we have in him. You're sealed. And we're above reproach. We're above reproach. And so little things, and I'm, I'm finishing with this. There's another verse when you teach on love or you teach on all this kind of stuff. I, uh, there's a place in Corinthians. Let me go there just to show you the verse again. 1 Corinthians 8. This is, to me, it's one of, you know, it's where food offered idols, but it's the one in verse 7. Listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians 8, 7. And to me, this is the crux of why we teach and why we have to ask you, please, incline your ear towards God. Listen to it. Nevertheless, not all... Okay, let me read verse... Let me start at verse 5. Well, no, I'm sorry. Let me read verse 4 just so it's in context. In this matter, then, of eating food offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing. It has no real existence. There's no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many of them, both of gods and of lords and masters, yet for us, there's only one God, the Father, right? Who is the source of all things and for whom we have life. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through and by whom are all things and through and by whom we ourselves exist. Nevertheless, you see, not all believers possess this knowledge. The Greek word there is epinosis, a higher level. Not all believers have, they don't have this understanding. It says, but some through uh, this phrase, I've taught on it for 30 years, through being all their lives until now accustomed to thinking. Manny stopped me all these years ago. He said, there's so many things you're accustomed to thinking that you're bound because you're accustomed to thinking about something that's just simply not the truth. 
but some through being all their lives until now accustomed to thinking of idols and real living, they still consider food offered to an idol as that sacrifice to an actual God, and their weak consciences become defiled and injured if they eat it, okay? So, always you have to ask yourself, um, uh, you know, I've been thinking this way my whole life. This is what we deal with in ministry. We have many different people from many different backgrounds that come. And whatever their experiences, their environment, their past, they're accustomed. They're deeply accustomed to thinking a certain way. And so when you begin to preach the gospel to them, it shakes the foundations of what they thought they thought. <laughs> and this is what the word repent. Remember, repentance really means to change the way you think. It's all still about the renewal of the mind. For, let me give you an example. This is simple. I'm, I'm actually closing, so everybody say hallelujah. It's only, see, it's 2.15, so we're doing good. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> the Lord dealt with me about this a while back. And uh, when I was praying for the church, I was just praying for people here and their finances, actually, in that area. This is several months, maybe even a year ago. And he said, uh, you know, he said, I told you there's millionaires in your midst. And uh, more than, you know, several, more than one. And he said, he said, you have a problem, though. I said, well, what? He said, is a million dollars, is a million pounds a lot to you? I said, yeah. He said, that's your problem. And you got to catch this. He said, how do you think I think about a million pounds? Seriously, how do you think I think? All your life, you've been accustomed because of the way you grew up, because of, you know, different areas of poverty and things you went through or whatever. I have to get you to think like I think. You have to see a million pounds as nothing because it's nothing to me. I said, Lord, how do I do that? Honestly, that's not easy. It's one thing to say it. But he said, but that's a goal that you must have in front of you, regardless. He said, I need your mind to be renewed to this. Uh, a billion is nothing to me. I mean, it really isn't. It really, really isn't. But he said, as long as you are accustomed to thinking of that as some goal that's impossible, well, it'll be impossible for you. If you can't see it, you can't have it. And some of you, all in the name of humility, say, well, I don't care. I don't need a million dollars. Well, see, that's just it. You've got your eyes on you. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, just a little bit. You've got your eyes on you. I still want to be rich. Because you heard me teach when we were teaching on righteousness. I know what to do with money. I actually do. I, I would know what to do with money. And, you know, the little that I've had, I've done my best to try to exercise that I have. I don't want to say to get pat on the back, but I'm just saying, people, I'm going to repeat what I said during all that teaching. The righteousness of God, the revelation of being a right standing with God, is one of the reasons it's so important, so powerful, is because a righteous man or woman knows what to do with money. Money will not affect them. They know it's a tool. It's just a tool. But we have to, sit, we have to get to the place where we realize, sure, million, billion, let it come. I mean, let it come. 
Give me a knowledge of a give me knowledge of a witty invention. Guide me, make me make you know see something that others don't see. Let me have an idea that uh, I've never heard anybody else have yet. Just whatever. And, it's, and it, but, but see, I'm not looking for a million pounds. I'm looking for God. But God said his hand of blessing would be upon me. But see, there's those little refinements. My setting has to be, I'm not fearful of money. My setting has to be, I'm, I will welcome a million or a billion. I welcome it because I'll know what to do with it. I'm not afraid of it. It will not destroy me. We all know all the stories of lottery winners whose lives have been destroyed because they didn't have the maturity to deal with it. So setting. So set your mind on things above. Your thermostat. Watch your setting. What is your setting? Is your setting on the love of God? Is your setting on the fact that he is a healer? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, is your setting that God has a plan for me and it's never changed? Is your setting my future is bright? Because I'm in Christ. Is your setting I refuse the lies of the devil? I'm going to stay in the book. I'm going to know the truth. The truth makes me free. I don't believe lies. I don't believe lies. I set myself. I set my hope in him. I set my faith in him. I set my love on him. I set my life on him. I can keep going, but I'm going to stop. So, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus of Nazareth, I thank you that we are above reproach. I like that. I just love that. I'm above it. I'm above it. These people need to be aware. And you, they're above it. There's no weapon that's formed against them that will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against them, they can condemn because they're above reproach. They're above reproach. They're sealed. They've already made it. They're sealed with the Spirit of God. They're sealed with your Spirit. They're sealed with the Spirit, which is the first fruit of our inheritance. We're sealed. Hallelujah. That's why we can smile. That's why we can glorify your name and sing and praise and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We're sealed. We have made it. And that's why now I recognize, why am I here? What's my vision? I suddenly understand I have purpose. This has happened to me. I'm okay already. Now it's my turn to go help someone else. Amen. It is my turn to help somebody else. Every day, every day, let somebody come across my path that I can just share a simple seed with and say, my God is alive. My God loves you. I can't answer all your questions, but I can tell you he's alive and he's working in me and he's changed me so far. Got a long way to go, but he's changing me and it's real. So Father, help us all make sure our settings are correct because we'll never get to the correct target if our settings are wrong. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 